Welcome back, dear listeners, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod. Just a short little episode this week, a couple of hours to go before the Melbourne versus Brisbane game kicks off a fascinating round 15 for the first time in 10 years. And only, I believe, the fifth time since the top eight was introduced in 1994 will the top eight play other teams inside the top eight. That is only. Like, that is amazing. And I cannot wait. There are some blockbuster games this weekend. But before I get on to that, I'll mention very, 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 very quickly as well, I am recovering from COVID-19, hence why I'm going to keep this episode as quick as possible um, so I don't have to talk too much. Start off with my top two highlights, my top two lowlights for me as an Essendon supporter. Yes, in case it wasn't obvious, I am an Essendon supporter. There's not been much to uh, to cheer about this year. It's been pretty terrible. It's been the most disappointing season um, I think Essendon has had since I've been an Essendon supporter. And that's saying a lot. That is saying a lot. Guys, we have had a lot of disappointing seasons since I've started following the Bombers. Maybe maybe it's my fault. Maybe if I've never supported the Bombers, maybe they would have gone better. There's a depressing thought for you. Um, but it's got to be that great win against St Kilda. When the Saints got a five-goal run on in that third quarter, I thought, okay, here we go. St Kilda, the best second-half team in the competition. We're going to fold like a deck of cards. Here we go. And then Stringer went bang. Stringer went bang again. Peter Wright joined in the party. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal effort. All things considered, big night for the Saints. Uh, the second uh, Spuds game, important game for them, considering how much uh, how how much more trickier their fixture was is to come. And we were 16th on the ladder. We're still 16th on the ladder. Biggest upset of the season, and that made me exceptionally happy. I think for me, my second highlight is probably going to be, thinking off the top of my head, the Richmond Tigers. Cast your mind back to round one when the Blues carved them to shreds in that last quarter. It was a midfield domination, and it started off a period of time where the Blues were very good and the Tigers looked bad. They were bad to start the year, Richmond, and everyone thought, well, maybe, you know, everyone thought the Tigers made top four. Maybe Tigers for the bottom four this year. Well, since round seven, they've gotten on a roll, Richmond, and they've arguably been, maybe aside from Gold Coast, the number one informed team in the competition since about round seven. It all started with that domination of the Eagles, but this win is probably the most impressive because they were challenged by a team higher than them on the ladder that's been better than them this season that crushed them earlier in the year and... They dominated the Tigers in the end in the midfield, and that's why they got that win. For every positive, though, there is a negative. For me, it's difficult to choose a number one negative out of either Jordan Dugowie or St Kilda. I think I'm probably going to go with St Kilda just because from a purely football point of view, what happened to the Saints on Friday is going to have a longer negative effect than what Jordan Degoe did. We'll get to Jordan Degoe. What the Saints did was absolutely deplorable. Again, I mentioned how big of an event it was. Spuds game. They lost the first Spuds game. They lost the second Spuds game. 
but it's a big Friday night game against a team that was dead to right. Honestly, it should have been as easy as flogging a dead horse. And yet, it's like the horse all of a sudden came back to life and started kicking the heck out of whoever was about to flog it. That's what it was like on Friday night. Now, granted, not taking anything away from the Bombers because they were quite impressive, but the Saints were just so bad and just baffling the turnovers and the fumbling, the skills. Is this the same team that went on that tear early in the year, five or six wins in a row? Is that the team that pushed Brisbane all the way at the Gabba a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago? Only we lost because they had three injuries. Yeah, exceptionally disappointing from St. Kilda. And now their fixture gets even tougher. And then there's the Jordan Dugowie situation. And look, right, from what I understand, consent was given. <sighs> Nevertheless, to have a player who has had multiple at this stage, multiple off-field incidences that have seriously detracted from his football abilities and has reflected horribly on the football club that he plays for, that he puts on the jumper for, is exceptionally disappointing. And it's even more so from Collingwood's perspective because they're having a great season. They're having a great year. They have all this great momentum. They're coming into a really winnable set of three games coming up. And yet, and yet, here they are, coming off a bye, and all of a sudden they have all this Jordan Degoe situation to deal with. Front page of newspapers, news channels are talking about it, people are talking about it, and it's just, it's, it is a distraction and a headache that if I'm someone at Collingwood, I just don't need. And Collingwood doesn't need at the moment. And I just wonder, right, we've heard about Essendon being interested in Jordan Degoe. Now hear about St. Kilda being interested in Jordan Degoe. I just wonder how many more times this bloke will fail himself before he realises that there is a lot at stake here. There's his football future at stake and potentially more depending on how serious things are. And I just wonder how many more opportunities Collingwood are going to give him. Exceptionally disappointing. Um, now, normally, me and a co-host would do the top four, the main four talking points. Um, but before, sorry, before I forgot, before we get on to that, I will say one player who surprised me, Cody Waitman. Now, try not to be a biased Essendon supporter here. I do not have the best opinion about Cody Waitman. His talent is undeniable, as is his. A preference for diving when he shouldn't go diving, if that makes sense. Diving without, you know, diving into a pool. Like acting when there's no acting award to, to win. Um, is that a fair judgment? Probably not. But I think it is fair to say that he has done that a fair bit in his career. And so when I saw against the Giants on Saturday, 
when he injured his shoulder and he's there for nasty injury, pop right out. And he played out the rest of the game and not just played out the rest of the game. He was laying big crunching tackles with that same injured shoulder. My respect for him skyrocketed. And so for that, five goals in a close in a close game of football, difference in the end and the bravery. Cody Waitman, I take my non-existent hat off to you. And I hope that the injury to your shoulder is not as bad um, or isn't bad at all. It's not as bad as it looks, that's for sure. Now, normally there would be four main talking points, but because this episode is a lot shorter, it's just me doing this. Instead, I want to talk a little bit about one thing I'm most looking forward to in round 15. Sure, there are the close matches. There's, you know, every single game I think could potentially be decided by less than four goals, maybe even less than two goals. That would be so exciting. That would be, it would be amazing if for the first time in football history, all games in a round are decided by a goal or less. That would be unbelievable. And I, I would love that to happen. I don't think it'd be quite that close, but it's an, it's an exciting round. But there's another reason why I am so excited for this round. And that is because it is the pride round. Now, you might be thinking, Casper, of course, it's the pride round because there are lots of teams here who have only pride to play for. That is very, very true. And as an Essence supporter, we're definitely one of them. But I'm talking about LGBTQ plus pride. It's the annual pride game between Sydney and St Kilda. My swans are hosting it for the first time, and I am so excited for that. And as someone who is LGBT, it warms my heart to see LGBTQ plus culture and LGBTQ plus people so openly welcomed into the world of AFL football. Um, it's great to see in other sporting codes a lot of gay athletes and a lot of LGBT athletes um, coming out, which is, it, it always, always warms my heart. And I, you know, I think about myself when I was younger, growing up as an LGBT person, um, you know, I kind of wish that in the sports that I watched, there was someone who, who, who was out um, that I could look up to. And so whenever I do see that there are LGBTQ plus athletes who are now out playing their sport, whatever that sport is, whether it's soccer or baseball, American football, rugby, whatever it is, it's just great to see in it. And, it, and I hope that it helps a young queer person feel like they belong in whatever sport that they want to watch or whatever sport they want to play when they're older. Um, I hope that one day there will be a player who feels comfortable enough to come out in the AFL. Um, it was great to hear Joel Selwood earlier in the year talk about how proud he would be for when, when a player is ready to come out. Um, I just hope that as a society, as a wider Australian society, but specifically as an AFL, Australian Rules Football Society, we are ready to welcome them. 
And sure, there'll be pockets of discontent. There'll be pockets of people saying things like, don't involve sports and politics. Sports and politics shouldn't mix, which I strongly disagree with. Because if we, as a society, hold these sports, uh, these, these athletes as role models, which I believe we do, which is why we're always so hard on them whenever they stuff up. Think of Jordan Ngoi, think of Bailey Smith recently, just a couple of examples. Then to have these role models speak out and say, hey, it's okay, you know, it's okay to be gay. You know, it's okay to be gay and to play football. It's okay to be gay and come to a football game. It's okay, you know, I'm okay with having gay teammates. That can only serve to benefit our society further. And I'm super, super excited for it. Uh, the jumpers, the swans doing their V rainbow jumper, the saints jumper looks great. I'm really, really, really excited for it. And I hope that the AFL men's competition will get to a stage where there's an entire pride round where, you know, everyone wears pride jumpers, kind of like what they did in the AFLW earlier this year. Um, well, except for West Coast. West Coast, there was a little bit of a misstep them not uh, having an, a pride jumper. That was really disappointing. But yeah, I think that that future, if, they, if that happens, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Hell, I would be happy to buy a pride jumper from every single team. Not so sure about wearing a pride jumper from someone like Colin Little Hawthorne, because that would still, you know, be wearing a Colin Little Hawthorne jumper, but still, you know, I would buy one. That's what I'm most looking forward to. But taking aside the pride-related stuff, there is a round of football to be played, and I am so excited for this. Starts on Thursday night in less than two hours from when I'm recording this. The Melbourne Football Club, in awful form. Brisbane, in a bit indifferent form. Top four clash. I am exceptionally excited for this game. Bailey Smith out for Brisbane is a major out. Stephen May back in for Melbourne. That's a huge in. Because of that May come back in and, and Smith coming out, but also because it's at the MCG. Brisbane haven't won at the MCG since 2014. And because I think Melbourne are still a top four team, I'm tipping the Demons to win a close one by 11 points. Friday night doubleheader. I don't like these doubleheaders, I'll be honest with you. I think it detracts from the main game, which I, I think there should be one game on Friday night that the entire nation's attention and that the entire nation's AFL attention is dedicated to. I don't like these doubleheaders, but it's a doubleheader nevertheless. The Bulldogs and the Hawks at Marble Stadium. Hawthorne quite possibly the best team in the bottom six at the moment and the most dangerous team in the bottom six to play. The Bulldogs, they look really indifferent. But with that being said, they've often played quite well against bottom six teams and their forward line, when it's functioning, when it's firing on all cylinders, it's hard to stop. I think they might struggle a bit without Cody Waitman. But with that being said, at Marvel Stadium, final spot still on the line for the Dogs. They're going to be too strong. Excuse me. They're going to be too strong. I'm tipping the Dogs by 20 points. It should be a good game. 
Now, this next game, when it was released, and up until about a week ago, I was immensely confused as to why West Coast and Essendon were given this Friday night slot. The Eagles and the Bombers in Perth. And then all of a sudden, the Bombers come out, crush the Saints, smack them around the head. And then the Eagles nearly caused the upset. Like we thought Essendon beating St. Kilda was the upset of the year. The Eagles came within a whisker, within a cat's whisker, beating Geelong. And that would have been the biggest upset of the century so far, of the 21st century in the world of AFL. And that's saying a lot because there's been a lot of big upsets over the 21st century. That being said, though, a couple big outs. McGrath out for the Bombers. Paris should be back in. McGovern out for West Coast. That's a huge loss because Peter Wright, he rediscovered some good form after going goalless for a few weeks. I still think Essendon is a better team than West Coast. I trust the Bombers more. Maybe I'm saying this because I hope that this is going to happen. I'm tipping Essendon by four to five goals. I wouldn't be surprised if it's closer. I would be surprised if it's, you know, a nail biter, but hopefully it's a good game. Now, on to Super Saturday. And I cannot remember a Saturday during the home and away season more exciting than this in terms of who's playing who. First off, Marvel Stadium is Carlton versus Fremantle. Oh, Carlton versus Fremantle. Now, in Melbourne, Fremantle have not beaten the Blues since 2018. Granted, they haven't played there much, here much against Carlton. They did play here twice last year, though. Carlton beat them both comfortably. Uh, I don't know. I trust Fremantle more as a top four team. Carlton, they still play four quarters. Sorry, they still play like two quarters of football. They're really, really great. And the other two are just meh. And they often lose because of their meh quarters. They give up big leads. And not to mention their back line is devastated. And we know how strong of a scoring powerhouse the Dockers are. Conversely, they are difficult to score against. But they are coming up against the quite possibly the most dangerous one-two punch duo forward line combination in the competition with Kai and Kerno. I think it's going to be a good game of football. I'm tipping the Dockers by three goals. Now... The game that is the toughest to pick. And I'll be honest with you, I may or may not have caught a toss to coin to decide who's going to win this one. Geelong versus Richmond at the MCG. At first, I thought Dangerfield was back. And I thought, oh, Geelong's going to win. And then I heard that Martin was back. And then I thought, well, okay, well, that cancels each other out then. <laughs> that doesn't really help. I'm tipping. I'm struggling to talk. I'm tipping the Tigers to win just because it's at the MCG. If this game was in Geelong, I would tip the Cats. But I'm tipping the Tigers by four points. I would not be surprised if Geelong won. I would not be surprised if Richmond won. Honestly, if I could tip a draw, I would. Sydney versus St. Kilda, pride game. Who do I trust more to play four quarters of football? Both of these teams start games terribly, and then they often have great second halves. I trust the Swans to come back, though, from a worse position. And because of that, because the Swans are more devastating than I think St Kilda are in a short period of time, I'm tipping the Swans to win in a thriller by a point. 
after the siren, Buddy Franklin to kick a goal from 50 metres out, right on the Rainbow Arch. Now, if, if Saturday was super, I reckon Sunday is sneakily, sneaky super. Sneaky super. That's what I'm calling Sunday. North Melbourne versus Adelaide down in Tasmania. Now, this might be a bit of an upset. And out of all my tips, this is probably the hardest one to justify. But cast your mind back 12 months ago, the Kangaroos had only one win for the year, coming against a fellow bottom four team in the Gold Coast Suns in Tasmania, and the Kangaroos won. I think the same thing's going to happen. I think the Crows are going to struggle with the cold. Kangaroos, they know they have to win. They have absolutely nothing to lose. I think the Kangaroos are going to win. In a close one, I'm tipping by a goal. Now, the Collingwood Magpies and Greater Western Sydney Giants. I'm tipping GWS to win. Now, you might be saying, Casper, why are you doing this? Surely you have no reason to justify it, just like your last tip. I do have one reason to justify it, though. The last three times that the Giants have played Collingwood at the MCG, and GWS hate playing at the MCG. They rarely beat anyone there. But Collingwood, the last three times they've played the Magpies at the MCG, they've won. Doesn't matter if it's GWS heading into a round four contest last year without a win, backs against the wall, massive amount of injuries. They won by five goals. Prelim final, 77,000 fanatical Collingwood fans, you know, cheering their team into a grand final with Richmond. Nope, Giants won. It doesn't matter what the situation has been. The Giants have always found a way to beat Collingwood at the MCG, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm tipping the Giants by 15 points. And then we get on to... Again, that is the exact opposite situation where the traveling team has not beaten the home team. I'm talking about Gold Coast traveling to Adelaide to play the power. The Suns have not defeated Port Adelaide since that first time about 11 years ago. Justin Westhoff missing after the final siren. Suns coming from 40 points down. With that being said, though, streaks come to an end sooner or later. This is the best opportunity the Suns have had to beat the power. And let's keep in mind the Suns have, for the last decade, been awful. This year, they are finals contenders. So because of that, I'm tipping a massive upset to finish off a fascinating round. The Suns by two points. Game potentially biggest blowout of the round is really difficult to say. I don't think any game's going to be a blowout. If I had to pick one, maybe one of the two Friday night games one of the two Friday night games. I'm just not sure which one. Maybe the Dogs over the Hawks. Maybe. Tell the which game I'm most looking forward to. Got to be the Pride game. The Swans and the Saints. But not just that. It's a really important game for both teams that are really struggling at the moment. And I think it's going to be a blockbuster. Who do I trust more in that one? Honestly, it's a coin toss. Do I trust the Swans at home where they're surprisingly struggling? Do I trust the Saints on the road where they're sometimes struggling? I don't know. I think it's going to be a really good game of football, though. Fingers crossed. That's all I've got time for. That's all I've got the energy for. That's all my throat and my cough can deal with. Thank you, dear listener, 
for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod. Join me and a co-host next week to review what has hopefully been a great round of football and preview round 16. Until then, hasta la vista.